you that you're a God who speaks. Uh, thank you, Lord, that we can um, uh, freely meet together, open our Bibles, uh, we can sing together, we can encourage each other, we can freely talk about Jesus. We know there are places in the world that don't have that, that, that luxury. Um, so, Lord, we pray as we do that now, we won't waste this time, that we'll uh, focus on your word and that we will remember and put into practice the things that we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, have you heard of the term uh, nomophobia? Have you heard of that term? Do you know what it is, I wonder? Well, I'll give you a clue. So, if the first one, if the last thing you looked at before you went to bed at night, before you went to sleep, and the first thing you looked at when you woke up was your phone, well, then you may have nomophobia. Nomophobia is the irrational fear of being without your smartphone. As I reach into my pocket and I feel my phone with me, ah! Um, it's the irrational fear of being without your smartphone. Nomophobia. That's a good one for a trivia quiz, isn't it? Remember that one day. According to an article in The Age, just um, a few weeks back, recent research suggests that Australians spend more than 46 hours a week looking at screens and on average check their smartphone about 85 times a day. Just excuse me for a minute, will you? I just want to check something. <laughs> um, but how can you tell if you're addicted to your phone? Now, some of you are probably think, I don't even have a phone. Oh, good for you. You are so blessed and fortunate. Um, but how can you tell if you're addicted to it? Well, simple, one question, says clinical psychologist Matthew Berry. He says, if, you, if I said to you, go a month without it, and that would trigger disappointment, oh, well, that'll be bad, or would it trigger distress, anxiety, or worry? If you were to become, this is what he says, if you were to become distressed, then usually that's because you're using it as a coping mechanism and you're far more at risk. Interesting, isn't it? You can look up the article anyway. Uh, I guess talk about dependent, dependent on your phone. Uh, that's what it's saying, isn't it? Now imagine if we were as dependent on God as we were with our smartphones. I wonder what that would look like when it comes to our prayer life. I wonder what that would look like when it comes to our prayers. Because, um, friends, that, that's the heart of prayer, isn't it? Prayer is about depending on our Father. God, our Father, is our daily provider, and we depend on him. So far, we've seen in this first half of the Lord's Prayer, these uh, first three petitions we've looked at, that they are big prayers. They're big prayers. And, and perhaps we miss that from time to time because we're so familiar with the words. If you've been around at churches for a while, we say this uh, together regularly. We've heard as Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches that as he teaches us that we pray when we pray to the one who is in heaven, to the one who is almighty, the all-holy one, the one who is above and beyond the whole of his creation, yet holds the whole of his creation in his hand. We pray, that that's the one we address when we pray. And he's taught us that we can call him Father. And as we pray, we pray that our Father's name be holy. We pray for his reputation. Hallowed be your name. That's what we pray for. We, we pray for his rule. Remember, your kingdom come. 
that all will submit to the, the heavenly king. And as Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray that our, our Father's will and not mine be done. That is, not my ambitions. My ambitions are not the subject of my prayers. It ought to be God's. To pray your will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. You see, they're big prayers. If we're really honest with ourselves, they aren't. They're, they're big prayers. And I tell you, if Jesus teaches me to pray like that, then he would have lifted my mind to great heights. If Jesus can teach me to pray like that, he would have turned my interests into decent, upright interests. And if Jesus can teach me to pray like that, he would have changed my longings into pure longings. So I hope you've taken the opportunity over the past few weeks to benefit from this, this first half of the Lord's Prayer. I hope that in our familiarity, these prayers will not wash over you. Now, these second petitions that we'll get to in the, next, in the coming weeks express then our humble reliance or dependence on our Father as Saviour. We depend on our Father for his provision of bread for his forgiveness of our sins and protection from evil. So this morning we come across to this, really, it's an astonishing request, and it's a little bit strange. Strange and astonishing at the same time, because it comes after these first three requests. There's a sudden change of focus, isn't there? And suddenly Jesus encourages us to pray, give us. You see that in the start of verse 11? Give us. Up to this point, it's been... Well, these prayers have been addressed to our Father in heaven, you or, or your. But now from verse 11, it's us and our. So, so now we're in it. We're, we're praying for ourselves in that way and we're praying for today. Our focus has shifted suddenly from that great day when his name will be hallowed, when his kingdom will come, when his will will be perfectly done, to today, now. And so what is it? What is it that we ask our Father in heaven to give us today? Subway. Sandwiches. <laughs> now, if you're anything like me, anything like me at all, I reckon that every phrase of the Lord's Prayer is hard to pray. If we're being honest with ourselves. And then if we've been teaching it well, <laughs> I'm trying my best. If we're honest, we really mean it, then these words, I think they don't, well, they, I don't think they come naturally like the other ones. See, when we think it does, and when these words, and let's just say the whole thing, when these phrases do come naturally and they roll off our tongues and we find it easy to pray these words, then I think it's time for us to pause. I think it's time for us to remind ourselves what we're saying to understand what we're, what we're saying. So these words don't just wash over us. So I want to ask us this morning, what makes this particular phrase, give us today our daily bread, what makes this particular phrase hard to say, just like the other ones are a little hard to say and pray? Do you often pray for the day's toast? Do you pray for the day's toast? You see, I think that's just it. Now, some, some commentators do generalise this phrase, saying that in this petition we ask of God all things in general for us to use. 
But the words Jesus uses here, give us today our daily bread, he speaks of something very simple. In fact, it could not be more basic. This is not a prayer for what we would normally call great things. This is not a prayer for big issues in the world or otherwise. This is not a prayer for the miraculous. This is a prayer for bread. Simple, basic bread. Now, I reckon there are three things that make this prayer hard to pray. Here's the first one. The first is what it asks us to believe. See, when Jesus invites us to pray, give us today our daily bread, I want to suggest that it's hard for us to pray, to pray this, because we believe the bread will be there anyway. We're not waiting for God to give it to us. See, and if, there, if by any chance the pantry is empty, maybe it's because someone forgot to do the shopping yesterday, well, we can just go up to the friendly grocer again and we can buy another loaf of bread, can't we? We can do something about it. So try and see how strange this is then, as a prayer. Think about it. For us to pray. As us who can buy bread whenever we want it. What a strange prayer it is. See, I don't really think this... I don't really think it's a prayer designed for people who are starving, actually. Now, of course, yes, it's a good prayer for them to pray, no doubt. There are people who are quite naturally... Uh, sorry, the people who will quite naturally, because of circumstances, pray and cry out to God, give us today our daily bread. And they, they can't see where it's going to come from. They can't just go up to the friendly grocer and buy some more bread. And they may well cry out to God for that basic need. I can understand a person like that praying, give us today our daily bread. But it's a prayer for people like us too, where we know the bread is going to be there. And even if the friendly grocer is shut, well, we can get some in the morning. <laughs> or we can go to the servo. Thank you. Um, <laughs> or the bakery. Yes, Matt served me yesterday. Good job, Matt. Lovely. Um, got the change right too. Well done. He didn't try to thieve me. Um, you see, this, this prayer asks us to believe of the most basic essentials of life, basic food, water if you like, that if God doesn't give it to us, we won't have it. That's what this prayer asks us to believe. If God doesn't give it to us, we won't have it. Now, I'm not sure we normally think like that. So this prayer is hard to pray. Okay, let me give you another reason why this prayer is hard to pray. Because of what it asks us to desire. Now, when Jesus invites us to pray, give us today our daily bread, it's hard for us because very few of us, actually, I reckon, probably none of us, very few of us really want no more than just that. What if God answered this prayer? Right, literally. And we found out that we had enough food to live on, but no more. Would anyone here be satisfied? You see how it's hard to pray? It's a funny tradition, really. You know, it's a little bit superstitious and quite pagan, the more I think about it. But that is, you know, when you blow out candles at a birthday party, sorry to be a bit of a grouch, but, you know, 
we wish for something when we blow out candles at a birthday party. I don't know, I'm not quite sure who we're asking and wishing things, who's controlling. Anyway, it's an odd thing for Christians to do. So here, in this give us today our daily bread, here Jesus invites us to come before our Father in heaven, almighty God who's in control of all things, all creation in his hands. He rules over everything. And what are you going to ask for? What are you going to ask for? Bread for a day? <laughs> really? Please keep up the supply of bread? I'm not sure about you, but I reckon this is hard to pray. Can you, without hypocrisy, come before the maker of the universe, your Father in heaven, and ask him for no more than he keeps up the supply of bread? See how it's hard to pray? It's tough, isn't it? There's one more reason, I think, why it's hard to pray, but we'll touch on this towards the end. It's hard, to, hard prayer for us to pray because what it asks us to put first. But as I said, we'll come back to that at the end. All right, so what I want to do, I want to see these three things here, these three difficulties, and I want to come at them at a bit of a different angle. All right? Because what we find here, as Jesus teaches his disciples, remember his disciples have asked him at this point, Jesus, teach us to pray. Remember that? And so what we find here is Jesus teaches his disciples, and it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and particularly in Matthew 6, we find that Jesus fleshes out his teaching on the subject of the prayer at different points in this chapter, and particularly the prayer, give us today our daily bread. And so we find here in chapter 6 a number of things which Jesus teaches that help us understand this particular petition. So Matthew 6 is where you ought to have your Bibles open in front of us. So let's first consider the Father who gives us our bread. It's, uh, it's not a bad test really, is it? Not a bad test on whether the reality of God has dawned on us for us to look at what makes us anxious. What makes you worry? Don't share it out loud, it's okay. What makes you worry? What is it that you lose sleep over? Now let's listen to what Jesus said a little bit later in this chapter. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendour, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown, up, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, look, we need to be careful here not to jump to conclusions uh, not get all carried away. Jesus is saying, he, he, so Jesus is not saying don't work, for example. So uh, the birds of the air, they work pretty hard, don't they? Watch the birds of the air for a while, they're working hard, right? 
And what he says is, don't worry. But I don't think Jesus also wants us to start worrying about worry. Christians do that really well. We, we worry very well. And we worry about worrying. We want to be obedient and not worry, but then we start worrying about it. It's very confusing. Um, these words are not a command and a law. Try to, try to, we need to try to see this. They are a gracious, gentle, powerful invitation. You don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. You don't, he says, Jesus says. You don't need to worry about your physical life, about food, about clothing, about drink. So why do you worry? Well, we know it doesn't do us any good. Um, they say worrying adds, uh, sorry, takes away hours to your life. Um, I don't know who they are, but I've heard it somewhere. It's not good for us, is it? Worrying. Perhaps it's what makes us human. Plants and animals don't worry. They don't. My cat, you've met my cat, he comes to church now and then. Um, my cat doesn't worry at all. Uh, and my dog, well, look at my dog. He's, a, he's as free as they come. You know, he doesn't have a worry in the world. A little bit of a, just a break of a gag there. Um, <laughs> plants and animals don't worry. It's us humans who worry. We're the ones who worry in God's creation. Plants and animals, they don't worry. Yet the lilies of the field are beautiful. The birds of the air are fed. It's a delightful picture, isn't it? It's not a picture to analyse and break down. It's not designed for that. And, and yeah, it will do. It'll break down if you press it hard enough. It will. But, but it's not designed for that. It's designed to help us see what strange creatures we are in all of nature. There's one being that worries, and that's us. We're the worriers in God's creation. The rest of nature doesn't worry, so why do we worry? We worry because we believe that life is uncertain. It's insecure. We worry because we believe that we, that, that we are precarious. You see, then we say, well, look, just look at our lives. Look at this past week across New South Wales and Queensland, the fires. We worry. Look at our lives. Human experience, you know, we're, we're, we're right to worry, we say. So what sense can we make of these words of Jesus, don't worry then? Well, the question is, who is it that knows your needs? You might say, well, I know what I need. Uh, no, no, no. I, I know I don't know what I need. <laughs> uh, or you could say, well, then God knows what I need. God knows what I need. But that's not how Jesus puts it. Jump down again to chapter 6, verse 32. Have a look at the last phrase of verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. You see that? That's how Jesus puts it. The one who will see his name hallowed, the one who will bring in his kingdom, the one whose will will be done, your Father in heaven knows what you need. And friends, when that light dawns on us, the whole world has to look different. And we actually see that those little things in life, my toast and jam this morning, have actually been given to me by my Heavenly Father. And so it makes sense to pray, Heavenly Father, please keep up the supply. 
I am dependent on you at the most basic level. Now, there's a bit of a second test, and it, and it doesn't get any easier. It's a test on how clearly the light of the gospel has shone in our lives. The test is how content we can be in this world with the basics of life, the bread which is enough for us today. That seems to be Jesus' point in verse 19, and I've got it up on the screen as well. Uh, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust or vermin destroy. Uh, That's the new NIV, the old NIV, which is the one in our Bibles. I'll read that out for us. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We, We can't pray, give us today our daily bread, and then in a quiet little whisper in our hearts, add, but I will not be content if I do not get and do not keep everything else that I like. Do you hear that? We can't pray, give us our daily bread, and then in a quiet moment in our hearts, add on, yeah, but I won't be content if I get to keep this or if I, if I can't have everything else that I like. We have to hear this prayer in the context of what Jesus is teaching. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Let me ask you a question then. You know, there's something that Jesus never teaches us to pray, to pray for. What is it, do you think? What is it that Jesus never teaches us, his followers, to pray for, to ask for? You know what it is? We're never invited to pray for treasures on earth. We're never invited to pray and ask for that. We're never invited to pray for the luxuries of life. Now, let's not get confused. Um, If luxuries and prosperity, is the word, come our way, and they do, uh, then thank God for it. If it is he who has given us everything that we have and everything that we are, we thank God for it. But let's not miss this, that we are invited to cast all our anxieties and all our cares on him, even our anxieties and cares about money and wealth and prosperity. But don't think we can come to God, our Heavenly Father, with our anxieties and cares and go away unchanged. Don't think for a moment that we can come with our anxieties and go away clinging on to them. And don't think we can come to him and go away with our hearts unchanged. For he does not invite us to pray for prosperity, just give us today our daily bread. Now, why? Well, I've got two reasons. First, because he does not promise prosperity, comfort, riches in this world. It's not promised to Christians. We have a heavenly father who knows what we need and he knows that is very different than what we want. And so it's hard to pray this prayer, isn't it? And I guess second, that's because of verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal. The luxuries and prosperity of this life are not permanent. They don't last. Now, I reckon most of us know that. I reckon we know that. But we live as though we don't believe it. It's why we prioritise worldly treasures over the things of God. But friends, when the light of the gospel dawns on us, the whole world looks different. It changes us. 
We see that it's God's heavenly Father who gives prosperity to us in this world and it may be for a while or he might take it away for his own good reasons. Whether we're given much or little, we are to be content to pray, give us today our daily bread. But that doesn't come naturally, naturally for us, does it? Let's touch on one more thing. I know this is pretty heavy and a bit of a challenge for us, isn't it? One more thing that this prayer uh, points us to. And it's a little ambiguous, really, but I think it's still important. See, there's a special little unusual, it's a little unusual Greek word, actually, that's only used once in the New Testament, and it comes here. It's in this little phrase. Uh, and that, that's the word that's used for daily, daily bread. And it seems to convey the idea of uh, the coming day, tomorrow. Now, I think Jesus uses this word to remind us of the time when the people of God, are following the Exodus, went out each night and collected their bread for tomorrow that God provided for them, the, the manna in the wilderness. And you can read a bit more about it in Deuteronomy chapter 8, or you can go to Exodus 16 if you write in some notes. It was a time when God's people learnt that it was God who provided for their food. In a miraculous way, they were taught that it's God who provides for them. And then later in the Promised Land, when they crossed the Jordan, took down Jericho in the Promised Land, when they became prosperous and things were going well for them, well, they, and they no longer received the manna, they forgot who it was who provided for them. That's what Deuteronomy 8 is all about. Remember the Lord. Don't forget when you go in. But they forgot. They forgot who provided their prosperity. See, I think this is the lesson for today. If you want to break it down, just like... The, that's the bottom line, just as it was for the people of God in the wilderness. Through God's miraculous provision of the, the daily manna in the wilderness, he taught the people that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, and Jesus quotes it again in Matthew 4. You see, as their basic, most basic needs were being supplied, and just their most basic needs and no more, and being supplied by the hand of God, their attention was drawn to the fact that it was not the bread that they need, most basically, but it was the hand. It was the hand that was behind it. That's what they needed, most basically. And isn't that what Jesus is saying here in chapter 6, right at the end of chapter 6? Look at verse 33. Again, it's up on the screen. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness... And all these things will be given to you as well. You see, as we take the bread from our Father's hand, we must not be just content with the bread. But we must take the hand as well. The treasure in heaven is our Father in heaven. That's the treasure in heaven. His holy name. His coming kingdom, his perfect will, that's the treasure. And as we come to this petition, where we ask God to give us today our daily bread, we are to learn, as we speak of our most basic needs, that at times we hardly really give a thought to, we can just run up to, run up to the friendly grocer again. We're to learn that what comes first, what must come first, is our Heavenly Father's name, his kingdom, his will. 
even before our most basic physical needs. That's got to come first. Friends, Jesus came into this world to die on a cross for us. He came into this world to rise from the dead for us so that we can be changed into people who pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Now, is that a change that's happening in you? Is it? Is it a change that's begun? Because if it isn't, today is the day for that change to start. That the truth of the gospel of Jesus should dawn on you and that the whole world begin to look different. That's the change. The whole world looks different because of Jesus. If today's that day to start to, to make that change, then make it. Make it. And for the rest of us, that change is to be ongoing, isn't it? This is a prayer that that ought to that that ought to make we ought to make more and more sense of every day. Day by day, month by month, year by year, as we follow Jesus. I'm gonna pray and um and we'll have a moment or two to ask, ask a couple of questions. Let's pray. Father, we know that we are dependent on you, that you give us everything, that you are the great provider. Even the most basic things, but Lord, as we do that, it was not to forget you. The warning was there from Deuteronomy 8 for the people in the promised land. Um, um, amongst them, in the midst of all their prosperity as they cross the Jordan, not to forget the Lord your God. And so, Lord, we pray that we too will not forget you. You who provide us everything, even just our daily bread. Lord, we pray today that it is a day that we will change, that the gospel will dawn on us and that that will affect everything that we do. Not half-half, not giving you leftovers, but everything. We pray that you would work in us by your spirit and change us to be more like Jesus, who didn't live by bread alone, but who lived by the very uh, word of God that came from you. So thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen.